Hi, how you doing? And uh, welcome to episode 5 of the Punch Drunk Boxing Podcast with uh, me, Gareth Motler, and uh, my good friend, Richard Mills. Hello. How is everyone? You're right. <laughs> what are you expecting? <laughs> anyway, it's not a telephone conversation. <laughs> you listen to uh, two big boxing fans who uh, love boxing and love talking nonsense. So, um, yeah, for all those regular listeners out there, welcome back. And, um, yeah, we'll get on. So we'll run through the news of the big fights coming up and whatever okay. other nonsense we can think of. And, uh, yeah. I think the first thing is uh, Mayweather, the uh, Irish, mm. <laughs> our Irish friend. <laughs> So uh, in the boxing, uh, big boxing news coming up in the last, uh, or sorry, the um, last week or so. So it's, uh, yeah, Floyd Mayweather, after you slagged him off and saying he never fought oh, any of any... no, I've never, hang on, wait, whoa, back up. <laughs> I've, I've always said that I think he's great. I just think it's, I said it's a shame and I think he's, he'll look back and regret it that he, that I feel he has... Not necessarily duck, but he's, he's taken easier fights, and he has maybe been a bit, a bit. I think he's the bottle job as well. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, a bit of a bottle job, and but a fair play to him, mate. He stepped mm. up now, and I think he's realised it's no use having all this money and taking it and building up a, a perfect record if you don't. I think maybe he's finally realised, and I'd take my hat off to him. He's doing it. He's finding who I feel is the most dangerous person out there. In his vision to fight. So uh, did we say he's out? So he's going to be fighting now. Uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez from Ireland, from Ireland, by way of <laughs> or, Mexico. Or Mexico. So yeah. he's going to be uh, agreed to fight him in September in the sort of the uh, light middleweight uh, world title. Unfortunately, it's not going to be a uh, light middleweight to 154, but uh, this is probably catchweight. going to be a yeah catchweight to um, 152. But uh, nonetheless, the number one lightweight out there, basically. So the yeah. big massive challenge, the one that, for my money, the fight of the year. Yeah. Well, in most intro, most uh, it probably won't be fight of the year, but it will be the Ooh, most eagerly anticipated. Do you not think it's going to be? Well, I'll love it, but I think for some people, I don't. I don't think it would be voted. I just think because of Mayweather's style, how defensive Floyd is still going to win and slick. Uh, yeah, yeah, I still think Floyd's definitely favourite for it. Yeah, but it's going to be it's going to be tight. It could be <laughs> one big punch. I think I read something. I read a, a review. Uh, I read an interview with. Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, yeah, and they were asking him about it uh, and things, and he was saying, you know, Floyd as the, you know, he's very slick, he's mm-hmm. got that real defensive class and the experience, but he said he is getting on now, thirty six, and while you don't necessarily lose the speed or the power, but sometimes that radar, that reflexes, which yeah. you know you've seen with people like Roy Jones Jr. And very much just eventually you get to that point where just a little bit, and he's saying all it takes is just. A little, a little, delay <laughs> a little and somebody that young and that powerful just catches one, and you, you, you never know. I personally, I still think that uh, Floyd's going to be a slight favourite because let's face yeah. it, he's just fucking that shit hot. Awesome. But um, I do think that I'm, I'm very oh. pleased that he's taken up and, and almost as big. Coming up in uh, <laughs> Wembley Arena on the twentieth of July. Derek, oh, Del- my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna be doing. Watching so, that. Derek Del Boy Chisora is gonna be fighting an unbeaten American heavyweight, the great Malik like, Scott. I've, I looked at his record. <laughs> I, I don't think he's fought a twelve round fight. There's, there's a lot of six and eight round unanimous decisions, <laughs> which means a the guy uh, possibly maybe doesn't, doesn't have that much power. Yeah. And B doesn't have that much stamina. 
So, so uh, while the, to look at the record, he hasn't lost. It's what thirty-five wins, no losses, and yeah. one draw. I think. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he's had he's done the old American thing. Looked at <laughs> Derek's uh, record and seen, oh, he's got four losses. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll have him. Little does he realize. Oh, he's in for a world. Of pain. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also coming up in the summer, another. This is going to be um, a great. There's two actually, but uh, Darren Barker, so English middleweight, is going to be. Uh, Given another world title shot against the IBF middleweight champion Daniel Gill, so it's going to be in New York yeah. this summer. Which that one should be really close. Darren be Barker great. is an excellent boxer, if not maybe the most powerful. But um, yeah, yeah, that one's good. And Daniel Gill, if you're going to fight anyone in that middleweight division outside of Martinez to win a title, he'd be your boy because he's not quite as in my mind. He'll still be favourite, but yeah, not quite there. And yeah. the other one is um, Matt Macklin has got a shot against Gennady Govodkin. <laughs> the- one of the most aggressive fighters I've seen in some time. Just incredibly, incredibly powerful shots. Yeah. That's what happens if you're born in Kazakhstan, though. So, um... Oh, they are, they are <laughs> to quote my, uh, our friend uh, Tommy Gibbons, who lived in Russia, he said, the only people Russians are scared of are Kazakhstanis. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... I think bears are technically scared of Kazakhstanis. <laughs> but, um, so that'll be... Uh, yeah, uh, Golovkin's record is like 25-0 and 0 with a 22 knockout, so that'll give you like some indication like um, how tough he is. But uh, yeah, a real big step up. and um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which no, might be very, the best, very, but yeah, um, yeah, very, very, very tough. But um, do we have anything else in the news? Um, those are like the uh, four big fights. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's, that's, that's about it. it. That's right. it for ding, the news. Ding, So uh, for the next part of the show, what we'll do is uh, just review uh, the past couple of weeks' action. So um, there were three big fights, all on the uh, same bill on the uh, 25th of May. So we're going to start off with one of the fight, year, fight of the year contenders. So super middleweight division, Carl Froch versus Mikel Kester, the rematch for Froch's IBF title, fight in Wembley. What do you think? Oh, it, was, it was great, <laughs> it was wasn't it? Good, it, was, it? And it was, uh, yeah, it was a strange one because I think Carl started... Well, for me, which is a bit uncharacteristic of him, um, and yeah, he kind of took the took the first few. It looked like Kessler took took like it took like at least Comes for, on it wasn't until the fourth round really where he he sort of got his rhythm properly and yep. settled into the fight. And then yeah, he looked he looked good. Turned into uh, a right proper tear up, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> he did. Um, with some some moments, I remember there was one at the. Uh, 11th where Kessler yeah. got him in a bit of trouble I have to say my favourite I'll get this out of the way now it's uh, round 8 if I think it was about a minute yeah. about a minute in round 8 it was about sort of round about the 1 minute 55 mm. front mark uh, one of my favourite things I've seen in a fight in such a long time most ambitious Carl Froch attempts to throw uh, Shariuken <laughs> at Miguel Kessler if you haven't seen it literally standing about 2 metres away from him and just throws one of the biggest right uppercuts his whole face everything <laughs> And you just look at Mikel Kessler, just like, just misses by Mars. It's like, what are you doing, mate? You're in, you're in against one of the best, like, you know, super world lights there are here. Super cool. Why are you throwing Shayukins at me? Do you think fighter moves? Um, but but uh, Kessler looked pretty much as good as he ever did. Um, I don't know. He looked in it. He's sort of when he was fighting well. Like I seem to remember rounds four, five, six. He looked really good, and then at the end, like eleven and. There were points where he looked good, and then other points where he just didn't look like I don't know the work rate wasn't there, and he was I don't know it was weird the way it kind of balanced out. He was on the back foot for the mm. first three rounds quite a bit. Again, get himself then, into it, and then he sort of yeah came yeah. on strong. But um, again, like 
two excellent excellent boxes like at the, the top of the jab division. for me was one of the most sort of that they were using the jab so much which you'd expect yeah. I guess of both I think Frost was boxes, definitely but... like a, a lot more disciplined yeah it. I would say <laughs> it probably speaks so, there's something so weird about boxing and why you have to not only kind of watching it but if you have to think if you're like a grown man and you somehow make the decision in your life to make money what you're going to do is wrap two pillows around your hand and try and beat another <laughs> man unconscious who is just one of the finest athletes in the world to think yeah yeah I'm just gonna this is how I'm gonna earn my money I'm gonna try and punch you in the head as hard as humanly possible yeah. and allow you to do the same thing to me is one of those fights where it's just <laughs> yeah. you're earning your money in this one son yeah. just really really impressive no, but um, it was... it's what do you think for something that was hyped up this much that it was gonna be like a great fight so much pressure on the pair of them to kind of perform. Well, it's fantastic when it actually when it actually comes off. When... Yeah, but to, I, I wouldn't say it was a surprise just because of what they're like and you just knew from the first fight thing. Sometimes you get a rematch and it's like you, you suspect, okay, this this might not live up. Mm. Just knowing knowing those two. It's like um it's like the Alvarado and uh, Brandon mm. Rios fight. Oh which, yeah, which I know you uh, you watched uh, just recently for the first time. But oh, so if no one uh, knows this, <coughs> where Brandon Rios uh, fought a fellow called uh, Mike Alvarado, and um, you look it up, they're both in uh, what division? It's like the um, uh, light light uh, junior welterweight. Yeah. And um, they had a, uh, a fight last year, and it was just like a fight of the year contender. It was absolutely brilliant, just throwing leather all the way through. And then they had a rematch uh, back in March. And again, just another completely fantastic, super entertaining fight. <coughs> and uh, <laughs> it's got one of my... Roy Jones Jr. does the commentary on HBO. I love that guy's commentary. And it's got one of my favourite... He's described... <laughs> Brandon Rios gets uh, Mike Alvarado in trouble. And then they showed like, the replay during... Uh, during one of the rounds <laughs> in slow motion this action is going on and then Roy Jones is just commentating over in the top describing the action and goes there we go we see like a left uppercut followed by yeah right the throat followed by a low blow yeah it's a hell of a combination that's my well be my favourite combination Fox. <laughs> it's renowned isn't it what was it left uppercut left uppercut right, right to the throat right to the throat um, followed by a low blow, blow. <laughs> so good yeah. but uh, I was looking through my notes for the uh, Fosh Kessler one and um, again for the first like um, six round it's close not too much going on Yeah. and then uh, my notes on for round seven nicely boiling round eight both throwing leather round nine great round round ten great round round eleven brilliant amazing round <laughs> and then round twelve just finishes off with literally just throwing leather at the, to the final bell it's, it's pretty vague <laughs> <laughs> let me ask um, how when we watched this like uh, live in the pub yeah and we had uh, Frotch winning by a mile well, not but by you, a mile, I think. Yeah. By at least three or four rounds. Uh, we'd, we'd, it'd be fair to say we'd had a good old few trains <laughs> by the time the fight rolled around, thanks to Pete Portugal mm-hmm. and his uh, yeah. idea to buy three uh, tequilas and six Jaeger bonds between three of us uh, at the start of the champion, before even the kickoff of the Champions League, which is <laughs> a solid four or five hours before the... That was a hell of an evening fight, that was. But no, yeah, the... Um, the uh, I've forgotten what you you asked me. Oh, yeah. so did, did you it think go? it was when you watched it uh, back on the replay? Did you think it was closer? Then I tell you what it was, and I remember at the time when I viewed it the first time, I thought the early rounds were really close, mm. but I just felt that Carl Froch's work rate and just it was coming down to literally like a few. It's one of those mm. really close fights, but like for me, I remember thinking Carl took maybe like the first four rounds mm-hmm. very close, but yep. took them. And after that, like I think I gave Kessler maybe five and six, and then maybe he sort of fell off the ball a bit. And I just, 
in my mind watching it live the first time, I just felt like Frotch has got enough of a lit, and I I never really saw in my mind him being in any danger of losing yeah. a fight after that early four. Until when round, I, when I until watched round it, eleven. <laughs> well, yeah, until round eleven. But I still, I've seen Frotch in worse situations than that, and he comes. I out, don't know. Like, I've, I've seen him. No, get, I've, seen, I've seen him when he gets knocked down. Jermaine so uh, Taylor, yeah, Jermaine Taylor also, knocked down. Uh, Jean Pascal. But. Um, <laughs> For the, it's the first time I've seen his, his legs kind of go only for like a split second. He said afterwards, "Listen, I was fine. Don't worry about it." <laughs> but, um, that's the first time I've seen someone catch it, and just because you definitely get the, I'll put it this way, you definitely get the impression from watching that fight that Kessler is just a better boxer. Um, but maybe Carl no, Frotch can top you, him out. I'll tell you the difference for me. It's like Carl, it's Carl Frotch's style, and uh, I watched I watched a couple of different because um, I watched the replay later and when I watched the replay like I realised the round four which I'd sort of the first time gave Frotch I gave to Kessler and when you watch it again that way it's like okay first three rounds to Carl Frotch close but you could see maybe one of them going the other way yep. and then the next three rounds you'd give to Kessler again maybe one of them going the other way to Carl so then that's like dead even after six rounds and then it's like a proper back and forth flying and when you watch yeah and then I realised it's a lot closer but I watched it um some of the rounds under a HBO and I had Andre Ward there. Oh, yeah. That man's really not a fan of Carl <laughs> <laughs> And he's not very good at keeping it hidden. And in fairness, given some of the comments Carl Frotch has made about him over the years, you can't really blame oh, him. But he's just like, oh, I mean, Carl Frotch's style is just so open. It's just so easy He does to have hit. a point. He's just, and it, he is right. There's points in that fight. Kessler's got that, his guard up and a lot of Carl's punches, Kessler's just able to block. Mm. Whereas, Carl's down low and blah 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 and yeah okay it's it's his style but right that was that was definitely a, that was a, an advantage and you watch Frotch at points in that fight he did pull his guard up mm. and when he was like that it was a lot it was a lot harder for Kessler to land clean mm. shots and Frotch for me it looked he looked more comfortable but then he'd just go for a couple of rounds of hands down and that's when what we love Kess, Kessler, <laughs> yeah exactly um so, uh, like, the big news is going to be, after this one, so we're getting, like, a just fantastic boxing match. What next for Carl Frotch? There's talk of, like, the... I think... The, the big openings are either rematch with a trilogy with Kessler, he takes yeah. on Andre Ward, which I would recommend he does not do, yeah, or the pick of the bunch. You get, Burn on! Be hot, baby! <laughs> you get Bernard Hopkins to travel over to this country and oh, have just... Give just... me a chance to, to <laughs> meet the game <laughs> say meet him just stand nearby I just bask in his aged glory Bernard I love you <laughs> <laughs> um, shut up white boy <laughs> but that would be you gotta think that would just be unbelievably fantastic yeah. and I would give no, Bernard be Hopkins good. a real good chance of winning um, yeah that'd be that'd be I would just love to see how yeah yeah, yeah I'd, I'd, be that'd be great but I do think uh, from from what I've heard afterwards Carl Frotch and the way he's been talking I think he wants the, man, the Andre Ward <laughs> the, the worst PR he's so bad what interviewed afterwards. a lot of bad things he said interviewed afterwards and said okay what do you think about this does your because he's mad keen on legacy and being seen as fantastic oh yeah yeah and it says look, Frotch had said I think it's now between me and Lennox Lewis yeah, the greatest yeah, fighters yeah. depending yeah. on how far back you want to go that's, mate, unless you go back literally about six months, <laughs> I don't think that's true. I mean, you're not, no offence, but you're not Prince Nazim <laughs> for true. one. That's you're not true. Joe Calzaghe for two. Uh, I don't know. With Joe, I, can see, I can see his frame of mind with the Joe Calzaghe thing in the sense that he has fought like, yeah. a lot of, but then again, like the legacy. I don't Let know me ask you this question, because um, who do you think has got a better, better legacy, Joe Calzaghe or Andre Ward? Um, 
at the moment, oh, at the moment, I just because of the length of it, I think um, probably Joe Calzaghe. Having said that, I'm a hundred percent convinced that Andre Ward will have a better legacy. Mm. I, even, if even even maybe in 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 two or three years, I don't know. Even if Ward ended his career now, I think he'd probably because he's literally taken but this the is, best, the top ten fighters in his division, and he's literally. Well, not quite literally, but he's beaten like eight out of the ten, so he's beaten them all. Then he steps yeah. up and finds Chad Dawson, a light heavyweight, I remember, yeah, beat him to but, the like, uh, well, But Chad Dawson, that was, that was at a lower weight. He made him step down, and that wasn't... Yeah. I mean, he's still a better boxer than Chad Dawson, you know, but it's you can't really compare that because I've, Chad Dawson was clearly not the fighter he is. He was... Mm. He was not in a on. bad way to make that way. But what I would say about legacies, I remember being on one of his uh, Facebook group pages and they talked about who's got wh- which boxer's got the best legacy mm-hmm. of since 2000 and is it is it like is it Mayweather is, Pacquiao. It, is it Pacquiao bollocks Bernard Hopkins Bernard he Hopkins. does love every time, the he's fought everyone he hasn't touched anybody look at his age look at everything he's done mm-hmm. you look you, I mean you, you take it back a little bit longer you'd have to put Roy Jones up like you talk about Andre Ward and things Roy Jones back to the day when longevity like James and for that dominance that era he went through mm. I think really you've got to look at Bernard Hopkins but he never fought Chris Eubank never fought Michael Ben yeah. and never fought Steve Collins yeah. I mean he would have beaten all three of them I mean, but each as, never as I was been. saying uh, Chris Eubank Jr is going to correct that <laughs> <laughs> he's going to get one of them out of the way <laughs> and uh, and once he's done with Nigel Ben, <laughs> maybe, maybe right. the... Should we move on to the next one? Because um, yeah. on the same night... Oh, wait, I will want to say one thing. The rest of the... You know, I was talking about... I watched some of the, uh, the um, Frotch Kessler uh, fight with... Um, so one of the links I had uh, went down, so I had to go and find another one. Um, mm-hmm. And I found uh, our good old Russian friends doing a commentary. Oh, that but the best bit is there was a part of a fight where the two commentators, right in the middle of the action, mm. everything going off. I think it was like near the end, like... One of the quite tasty rounds, round 10. They went off on what I can only assume was a, at least a good minute discussion of uh, Peter Schmeichel. <laughs> just, heard, just heard the words Peter Schmeichel about three or four times in a minute. And then just blah, 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 Peter Schmeichel. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, you, That's fantastic. just because of a Danish boxer, they're just going to bring in the next most famous Danish person. That's so good. And Bridget Nielsen, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she wasn't a sports personality. Oh, in her own mind. I don't know where I was going to that <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I don't know if uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 <laughs> had any. She was in a... I'm sure she did some aerobics. In I don't know fight. if that made all the way to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on the same night, so uh, on the undercard, so these are all at Wembley. Which one? We'll go for um, George Grove. So he was fighting Noah, the yeah. coal miner Alcoba. Yeah, Alcoba. So, um, from, uh, from Uruguay. From Uruguay, indeed. Like, he had a really good record. It was like 34 wins in like 32... Um, uh, sorry, 34 fights and 32 you know, wins. he's related to... Uh, that Alcoba is related to Rukoba from Uruguay, the... Uh, Footballing yeah. free-kick legend. Yeah, Inter Milan uh, legend. At one stage, he had a partnership with... <coughs> uh, it was... Uh, it was Ronaldo. Ronaldo. No, Fat Ronaldo. The good the, Ronaldo. The proper Ronaldo. The good Ronaldo. <laughs> fat Ronaldo. Um, I always yeah. like that guy. Free-kick. And, and Zamorano, um, who had his shirt taken by Fat Ronaldo. He was number... He was number nine, so when he had the number nine taken off his yeah. back, he had a number. He had eight plus one. <laughs> That's his number, which I thought was good. But, uh, yeah, so he fought. Uh, so George Glo- uh, Groves against uh, Noah Alcoba, oh, yeah. and a uh, fifth round KO for George Groves. George Groves really, really good. impressive. He looked very good. Super strong, just 
and asked him and like eventually just gave him like a big okay right great, great body work I seem to remember I yeah. mean, as I say we were pretty pissed we were absolutely drunk when we were watching that one but um and the last one the uh, same night so it was in the light heavyweight division and uh, Isaac Chalemba who's uh, ranked ranked number 7 against Tony Blue ranked number 8 yeah so um, for this one it was to find out who was going to be the mandatory challenger for the WBC yeah. light heavyweight title and um, <laughs> what do you think because it wasn't well I actually think I, I think I said it on last week's show that I thought or yeah the last episode yeah. that I I thought I thought Chalemba would probably outbox him and but Tony Bell, you would get get the decision. I actually, when I watched it, I kind of felt, you know, Bell, you. It was just another really, <laughs> really tight fight. I felt Chalemba, he was sort of forced into because he was away, and given the result of the first fight, he was forced into mm. having a bit more of a tear up. Do you think that Chalemba has than... one of the most weirdly shaped heads you've ever seen? It literally looks like a no, peanut. No, I mean it's, it's, it <laughs> is a bit odd, but I've seen so many. <laughs> Shaped heads. I've got so many weirder ones than that. Didn't stand out. But um, yeah, I kind of, I do think it was a very tight fight, and I yeah. can definitely see. I think Bellew did a lot better than he did the first time round. Mm-hmm. I think he clearly learned a lot. He used his jab much more. He didn't just sort of blindly. I mean, he. I'd have to say it's one of the things I like about Bellew. Mm-hmm. He's one of those. He loves a rut. <laughs> <laughs> you get this sense that he just, he genuinely loves a bit of a trying shot. to hurt people <laughs> which you know uh, as a boxer is an entertaining quality um, and he was a lot more disciplined mm-hmm. I did see there were points in the fight he'd just lose it a bit and even at the end he was clearly knackered didn't have the power to get a knockout mm-hmm. but he was still just uh, I was he say, kind of a, almost just threw rounds away through a lack of discipline for but, anyone who hasn't seen this for well, the first three rounds it was actually really quite exciting so Blue yeah. just um Forcing the pace, really good shots, really high work rate, and uh, backing Chalemba up. And then rounds like four to five, six and seven, and pretty much eight and ten were just ugly because Chalemba, he's one of those fighters so who... awkward. He's like an octopus. He knows not how not to get hurt if he... Anytime uh, Blue got in close, just grab hold and yeah. make it ugly and... Oh, it was just... And he's got his hands down low, but he's a fighter. Like, Carl Frock sometimes has his hands down yeah. low and as. Andre Ward would say, somebody said, how do you deal with style like that? Andre Ward was like, you just hit him. He's right there. <laughs> you just hit him. <laughs> but with Chalemba, oh, <laughs> I mean, Tony Bellew has worked out to his frustration. It's mm. not so easy. Hands down. No. Just a slice. He's like, just amazing. And as Bellew pointed out, nobody wants to fight this Chalemba. And yeah. that's something you've got to give Bellew a lot of respect. It was a tough first fight and he's, and he stepped in and, and that was a quick rematch. That is within, yeah, what, eight like weeks. A, yeah. But uh, I was listening to the uh, commentary so on Box Nation and Jim Watt, the um, former uh, Scottish champion, he, he uh, did the call the fight, did the commentary for it. Yeah. That, he called it absolutely perfectly. So he kept on saying that uh, Blue just uh, Blue determined far too many power shots. Uh, Blue tiring like towards the uh, later rounds. And then just not being creative enough. He was too straightforward. And uh, I liked... I did see. It just should have been cleaner, more precise, <coughs> more well, frankly, more than anything else, a lot more disciplined. And I think Chalemba. that's the main point for me. Yeah. I saw. I saw Bellew made little adjustments. Some was great. You'd, I noticed like his hooks and things. He he clearly learned from the first fight where he was throwing shots, and Chalemba was just weaving down like, mm. to his right hand side. Bellew had adjusted. He started shortening and lowering those punches, mm-hmm. and he was catching. He caught Chalemba with some good, good shots as he was like weaving about. And yeah, I was, I was impressed. I, I actually thought that he was gonna, 
not do as well as he did. And it's mm. a tight fight you can make a case for either, given the state of how yeah. boxing seems to be judged these days, where work rate, for me, gets a disproportionate amount of mm-hmm. of credit or... As yeah. opposed to good shots. Yeah, um, but given that, I think you'd, you'd probably have to give it to Bell. You, I yeah. thought he, he stuck in there. He was a little careless and, and gave rounds away, but still, um, yeah, I was I was actually impressed and, and he showed good... Good improvements. Yeah, absolutely. Again, so um, that's like the light heavyweight. So hopefully, Tony Blue now becomes the um, managing challenger for Chad Dawson. How do you think he'd do against Chad Dawson? Uh, Chad Dawson is a much better boxer yeah. than Tony Blue. He's also, <clears throat> to my mind, more athletic, and he can actually fight that work rate. It, the weird thing about um, Blue is um, he's not ripped. He doesn't look like a kind of super athlete, no. and yet, but he can really go when he puts the oh, yeah. gas down. So for like eight rounds, he's his work rate's really gone. And in the, for that one against uh, Chilemba, the last couple of rounds, he was tiring, but he was still going for it. He just wasn't disciplined yeah, he enough. He was pretty tired. But uh, <laughs> it wasn't... Yeah, Chad Dawson would be a top. Yeah, I think... I but think, he wants it, so... Yeah, and fair, fair play to him. Yeah. I actually think that Chilemba would be would be a much tougher opponent for Chad Dawson. Let's face it, he's a... He's a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> a bit of a nightmare. But, um, but yeah. But uh, yeah, that'll wrap it up for... Um, those are the big three fights. Yeah. So um, we'll move on. Okay, well, it's reached that time of the show. I'm delighted to uh, welcome back. He's been away for two episodes now, but we got the, him. We, we've got him back. He's just—he's still in the middle of his one-man show. Um, he's also been recruited to be a, a, a cartoon character. With as a we discussed with psychic a, pigeon. Psychic pigeon. It is the uh, former, former undisputed champion of the world, heavyweight champion of the world, Iron Mike Tyson. <laughs> Right, it's great to have him on. Now, we're going to keep this nice and short because we know you're a busy man, Mike, but the question we have for you this week is about Scottish independence. You know, give us your thoughts, Mike. I don't know, change comes in time. Change comes really in time. You're irritating me now. Well, I'm, um... Look, we we, we don't want to annoy you, Mike. We just feel, you know, this is an important issue. Do Do you not feel that this... You know, for the Scottish people, this needs to be resolved. No, at one time it meant a lot. When you're just a young kid, this is everything to you. But then you realize your priorities change. And you just want your children to be happy and do nice things. And that makes you happy. This is nothing. This is just nothing, man. Wow, that was, that was fantastic. That's pretty, yeah. I never even thought about it. Like no. Mike, thanks so much, Mike. That's it's always a pleasure to have you on. And once great, again, man. you proved us... Wrong. Ignorant is what you proved us. We'll let you go and hopefully catch up again in a couple of weeks' time. Right, well, um, I thought we'll let's uh, change the pace up because that was uh, my Tyson stuff was deep. So uh, we thought, as we usually do every week, you throw in a bit of nonsense. Just um, random. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much flat out this week. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't really done my research. But... uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story that uh, this happened to my uh, dad. Basically, I was thinking about you know um, there's that big thing of uh, friend of the show Roberto Duran punching a horse. Oh yeah. So he's uh, still we haven't been able to get in contact with him. I hope he's all right. The Panamanian Post was just a. It's a nightmare. I can ride it. We've got a strike going on out there. Oh, it's unbelievable. Because we've actually had a Unions. couple of uh, requests about information from him. But we'll get him back in a couple of weeks. They can't yeah. be stopped forever. He just doesn't believe in the internet. There's nothing, there's nothing I can do about it. He doesn't, he doesn't trust in anything he can't touch with his hands. Exactly. That's a fact. And, um, but yeah, there's like a legendary story of him punching a face. and uh, Knocking out a horse for yeah. money. 
was it no for a bottle of whiskey it was a bottle of whiskey bottle of whiskey and uh, so anyway I was digging deep into the annals of Moclear history and uh, I'll tell you a story about my dad so my dad has the same name as me Big Garrett Moclear and um, he used to be a builder and this happened about 20 years ago so he was working in um, Sligo and uh, he worked he got a job working at an old people's home just like building a fence around the side okay and um, all the old people they had like a garden at the back yeah like a field and, uh, but they're all in like wheelchairs because they're all in their 70s and uh, anyway my dad is like a fairly big guy he's like 6 foot 2 and he's like bald head and he's like big round shoulders on him and uh, anyway he gets employed to do the fence around the side so uh, he goes down there on like a Thursday morning and all the old folks in the wheelchairs yeah. just pull up to the side and they're all staring out the back of this what do you call them those glass like a conservatory thing windows <laughs> <laughs> it's like a conservatory so they all oh, just okay, rolled up right, but this yeah. is like the most interesting thing that's happened to him and, like what, seeing somebody build a fence. Well, yeah, but there's, there's, there's nothing else going on. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's more. Yeah, Sligo is not the. It's not I've the. Been to Sligo a few times. It's not the most happening city. It's got um, a lot of rain. A lot of rain. <laughs> to talk about. And uh, anyway, so my dad's out in the fields and he's like kind of working away. And to keep the old people entertained, they didn't have any horses around them, but they had a billy goat. Did it look like the ones oh, with right. the horns? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, wandering around the back. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so my dad's out there. He's uh, doing the fence, and uh, you never. Do you know what they call them cowboy builders? No. Because they have... This is true. They used to... You know, they're like the workman's belts. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they'd have the they hammer. Have a hammer, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you were like a really shit builder <laughs> and you got really good at taking the hammer out and just <laughs> flipping it around your thing and zooming it back in, people That's, get... Like the young really? folks get amazing at it and they're cowboy builders because they'd fuck off all the time <laughs> doing this. And, uh, is and that it, really where that comes from? Yeah, yeah. Is that an from. Irish phrase? No, no. That's cowboy builders. That's oh, where it comes okay. from. And um, anyway, so my dad's in the back of this field, and the Billy goes walking around the place, and clearly doesn't like someone coming into his territory. Right. And um, anyway, my dad's there, he's hammering shit in. The goat comes up behind him, and all the old people are staring out the window, and they can see. And they're like, got really close to the glass. And the Billy goat is just there, just spies him up with his big arse. He's just bent over, hammering shit, and the Billy goat just. And just. <laughs> Cracks him right in the arse. Dad turns around, like, what the fuck? And this Billy goat is like trotting around the place like a big man. Just like, the fuck out of my yard. And my dad is like, oh, you little cheeky bastard. You're... Don't. Okay, don't do come... that. Again. Yeah, and now the old people are inside, like, clapping their hands. And, that's that guy. Taking one. Cheering him on. That's so my dad's standing. He's like, if he, if he fucking comes back to me again, and I'll leather him. That's the phrase. I leather him. Right. And so he's got the hammer in the hand, the billy goat is getting, he's just stalking around like a bull, just like. <laughs> so you're, what, your dad's waiting for at this point? Oh, my dad's, he knows he's that. He's aware of him. He's no fool. He's no fool. He, he knows. He sees the goat's got something in his eye. If he comes back again, he's, something's going to happen. Shit's going down. So the goat just, da-dum, da-dum, went down, da-dum, again, just, da-dum, da-dum, goes up, and he's just about it, with the big horns, he's yeah, just yeah. about my dad, and my dad just takes the hammer from his hand, just swings round, and just crack! Fucking hell. Whacks it like straight down on the top of the head. And the billy goat just boom. Just crashes on the ground. What's fucking dead? It's like his legs are twitching. And my dad is standing Holy there. shit. All the old people in the inside are now backing away from the window. <laughs> <laughs> like shit's getting staring out just like there's a fucking lunatic out there. <laughs> wielding a hammer. And there's like there's nothing they can do. My dad is standing there and just ah. He's looking at it right. And there's things now he's feeling like almost like a bit guilty he doesn't know what to do shit you fucking hope so <laughs> and, uh, a nutter <laughs> but the, the guy's just lying there and it's coming out, his legs are dancing so dad thinks alright what I'll do is I'll make this a little bit funnier for myself so he picks the goat up and it's both and his head butts it on the arse <laughs> <laughs> his legs are just like dangling he carries it in his arms and just walks back to the wall where all the old people are 
I'm sorry, they're all in their little conservatory thing and the little wall beside it and just stands up the billy goat, puts it over and just balances it. It's like half fucking dead. Balances it on, it le- on its legs and just leans it against the wall. And so the billy goat stands up upright. It's not completely um, unconscious. Oh. Standing up. My dad just takes about five steps back and the billy goat's body, just its legs buckle from under it and it just slowly goes down the wall and just bonk onto the floor. My dad sees this and then lets out a roar of laughter. Like, you know, when he told me the story, he's laughing his ass off. The goat falls down and just, ah! Shit, your dad is a lunatic. The old people are, are inside, still can't get away, just staring out the window, fucking terrified. My okay. dad walks back to that fence, hammering out, just, do 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 goes back to building a fence. Oh, yeah. That's... <laughs> that's... That ain't cool, man. There's, unbelievably, my dad is a good, this is no exaggeration, about 25 animal abuse stories of one way or another. Not like terrible. When, but... you, when you said to relate it to the Roberta Giraffe, I thought going to like give it a little punch or something <laughs> or something like this. It took out a, just mm-hmm. a... Hammer and cracked it down the top of the head. The moral of this story is don't ever headbutt an Irishman. Uh, it's... Especially not on the backside when he's busy working. Wait till after work. Yeah. Wait till there's like peace and quiet in the world. But um. You see, Duncan Ferguson, he definitely headbutted an Irishman, and he was fine. Which Irishman? I don't know. He headbutted a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Probably maybe not the best example. (laughs) Probably an Irishman there at some point. You gotta, you'd imagine. But um. But yeah, if you've got any animal abuse stories that you want to send in to the show... Shit, don't, don't send them to the RSPCA as well. I um, ge- uh, generally, yeah. It's, it's, a good it's, a, it's a hell of a story. I'm sure Roberto will we'll tell him about it. He'll be absolutely loving it. Oh. Although he'd probably say your dad was a bit of a pussy for not using his hand. <laughs> not ever get a man to stone, though. Some people have to use... Uh, yeah. Okay, well, uh, any other nonsense? Yeah, there's something else. There's um, <laughs> I found this on YouTube about a week ago. For anyone listening at home, go in and type "really stupid boxer can't get in the ring." Just bring that up on YouTube. And uh, Richard hasn't seen this, so it's about right. a thirty-second clip of um, there's an American professional boxer. I'm assuming it's the first time he's ever um, fought anyone. Hello, here he comes. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like. He walks up to the ropes and looks at it as if it's the most complex puzzle he's ever seen and literally can't get through. He ends up going, if he ends up just getting on his, like almost doing, yeah, just rolls. He just <laughs> lies down on the apron on the edge. Like, Holy shit, what is he? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, if you think the way getting, if he had trouble getting into the ring, getting out, he must have done that on purpose. <laughs> no one, that doesn't even make any sense. He's either done that for a bet or he's done, yeah. Well, the reason it's one of the most, that is funny. <laughs> it's one of the most beautiful clips I've seen for the simple reason that when he's trying to get out, it's all his mind runs through all the options and then decides, oh, just, just go I'm for just it, mate. throw myself at it. <laughs> just head first. Head first. <laughs> So, um, lucky his legs kept that is remarkable I'll stick That's... a link up to it on the Facebook page yeah, that type is in, hang on, what's it called really stupid boxer can't get in the ring on YouTube yeah, yeah. oh there's something else there's something else I was going to bring up um, this was on the night of the um, Carl Frotch Kester fight so um, because one of the uh, because George Groves knocked out uh, the coal miner pretty early they had to put on like a quick four round <sighs> Uh, like ex- not exhibition but a quick four round fight yeah. so they had a Liverpool fella called Callum Smith against this just a cherub looking fella called uh, Ryan Moore so Smith comes from like the boxing Liverpool family his brother Paul Smith used to be oh with, yeah, um, yeah 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 he's on the contender and stuff oh yeah I remember this yeah and uh, it's 
<laughs> well, the, the reason it's so funny because uh, Cameron Smith wins by knockout, just like in the first round, just completely obliterates him. And uh, Jim Watt, the guy who's doing the uh, commentary, had a quote of, "Look how clean those punches are, accurate, deftly delivered." And then he shows this slow motion replay of the knockout punch, and uh, <laughs> Smith caught him with like a left. And then Ryan Moore is just falling over, and Smith uh, comes over and delivers like a big right hand. And the slow motion replay, you see, it, the big right hand that knocked him out completely missed it. Just totally misses his head. And I remember <laughs> thinking that the first when I saw the fight, I went, "How didn't even look like it hit him? That must have, you know." So sometimes yeah. just get in the slow motion. The guy clearly he sees about he just thinks I've had enough. <laughs> I cannot be bothered being in there. I didn't even think I was going to fight. <laughs> and just this punch misses by maybe half an inch yeah. or something, and he just thinks yeah I'm going yeah. down just throws himself to the floor and exactly. they just totally breeze over that on the sky commentary <laughs> they just don't even mention the fact that he just went down but Sonny yeah. Liston could take a couple of lessons if you're going to throw yeah, it yeah but the thing is with Sonny Liston is uh at least he was paid by mafia people who were going to kill him <laughs> to take that die. What's this kid's excuse I don't think anyone was giving him uh, money for I might that. mention this in the I don't know I was going to mention the recommendations but there's a book called Night Train and it's um, by this American author, and it's absolutely fantastic. It's all about Sonny Liston, his life and his uh, times. And um, it's just unbelievably fantastically written. And uh, why did I bring it up? Oh, right, the, he mentioned, the reason it's called Night Train is because when Sonny Liston used to go into the gym, the yeah. same song playing over and over again. Is it James Brown, Night Train? It's a, this old kind of bluesy song called Night Train. Okay. It's what he used to listen to over and over again. And he used to go in there and just boom, 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 pound the way of the heavy bag. And you think, oh my God, this... I gotta listen to this song. This song's gonna be fantastic. And he's got the song with a it's real kind of jaunty. So you've got like the most dangerous, angry man on the planet just smashing the heavy bag just in the background. It's so good. Do you know what? He's one of the. He always had like really notorious for being awful and all that. Everything I've ever seen of him interviews, everything. I've got a real soft spot for Sonny Liston. Such a nice. Like, what? There's no, a, a very misunderstood uh, very, individual. Very misunderstood in lots of regards. And again, he was the victim of Muhammad Ali's racist abuse, in my estimation. But um, Who wasn't? Well, yeah, who, exactly. Who bloody wasn't? John Fraser um, came. I've read, in not that Night Train book, and another one, but I read uh, Mickey Dot's autobiography, because he did um, some of the promoting for uh, Sonny Liston's fights. And uh, there's a lot of stories that Sonny Liston was a bit of a sexual predator. Like paying people, girls off for uh, like accusations yeah, of rape, like a lot of mm. not just oh maybe it's like because of like who he okay, was at the time, but right, a lot right. of stories of well, I didn't know that. I'm nasty, really... creepy stuff. So Sonny Liston, there's a reason you might have been considered the baddest man on the planet. Well, before. I don't know. I just know that he, yeah, there was a lot of like because the press they didn't like him. They sort of yeah. portrayed him a certain way, and he didn't sort of conform in the way that mm. some of the like say a Joe Lewis or somebody did. Um, yeah. We've got, sorry about that, guys. We've got Garrett's uh, phone is ringing. <laughs> Who is it? Is it important? No, he's hung up on it. Um, what happens is I, I get a call every about two days from a blocked number that have been calling me for the last year and a half, and I don't know who it is, and I refuse to answer. Somebody about payment protection plan. I get one of them every every week or so. It might be, but they've literally called like every single day. I say, if you happen to be that person who's called it and you're listening to this podcast... Can you fuck off? Yeah, that's really, really annoying. I don't understand why you don't answer that. You've always had a thing. You're like scared to answer it if it's from an unknown. In fact, I don't get why people in general do that. They're like, this is unknown. I'm not not answering it. 
what the fuck's it going to be? The worst it's going to be is somebody selling you something. You just say, look, I'm not interested. It could be someone going, you've, you've got two days to live. And that just freaked me out. <laughs> then... It could be. Or it could be somebody telling you you won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I heard today there was an American woman. She won, uh, she's 84 years old. And she won like the big uh, lottery in the US. $384 million. What did she need that for? 84 years old. She said she's going to share it all with her son. What she should have done is she, you have a choice. You either take it as a lump sum or you take it in like 30 years, uh, a lump sum every year for 30 years. That, if <laughs> she had balls, she would have gone for the second option. She just said, I'm so 84. I'm going to stick it out. Exactly. I'm getting to, like, I'll be the world's oldest, richest woman. Would have been a cool way of doing business, but yeah. I'm. No, but well, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? Wow. It's not really impressive, is it? It's just a lot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah right right, right well, back to it right well uh, yeah Sonny Liston I, I quite liked him but Garrett tells me he was a sexual yeah. predator who used to rape women so maybe maybe not I'll, Mixed have to, bag. I'll have to research it and come to my own conclusions because I don't just listen to <laughs> facts lies <laughs> lies that you tell um, <clears throat> okay that wraps up the nonsense yeah, yeah. There you go. Do fucking stupidest rendition music. Sorry. I've seen that there and I've always, I just thought, why would anybody want to use that? It's fucking ridiculous. I'm too tempted. I thought, I want to use that as a break. There's also, uh, there's also this one. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, enough. Alright. Alright. We'll come on to like the next part of the show. So it's uh, a regular feature of, didn't you used to be a boxer? So we did, um, Doing every week's last week with uh, uh, the legend of Barney Ross. Yeah. And uh, this week I've got for another American. And uh, so this time it's... It's three out of three, isn't it, for the Yanks? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we did um, Tommy Morrison the first week. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so this time it's uh, Randall Craig Tex Cobb, who um, was born in 1915. He's an American boxer turned actor. And to get like a picture of what it looks like, if you've ever seen Lenny the Governor McLean, <laughs> spitting image of that guy... Big, hairy, didn't he? he? Had long hair, big beard. Yeah, yeah. I like tough, just a face that looks like, like it was made out of granite. Jack. So uh, Cobb, he was basically known for being tough, and uh, he had a career which lasted from uh, it was long, like from 1977 to 1993. But uh, he kind of fought, mostly fought kind of no namers, but at one stage was very active in the heavyweight division and fought like real other fighters of consequence. But um, pretty much, he lost as many of those big fights as he won. But for the most part, it wasn't. Texas fought because the competition at that stage was just really that good and then he had a, like a significant post-fight career as an actor in Hollywood but he's known for he's got like acerbic wit he's funny he's clever he's cool and uh, so as I'm doing this I'll just uh, throw in like a couple of quotes you get like an impression of who he is this is one all I do is hit people in the mouth it's a whole lot easier than working for a living don't make anything noble out of what I do that's what he answered when he was asked, you know, sum up your boxing career for us there, Tex. Yeah. <laughs> How did you find it? So um, he was born in Texas, as you might have guessed. He studied philosophy and uh, played uh, fullback. Uh, I always like it when people are named after where they're born. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. It's like... Um, Minnesota fans. I'm trying to think uh, Stephen Island. <laughs> <laughs> He's in Scotland. Scotland as well. So... Uh, he studied philosophy and played a fullback at Abilene uh, Christian College, and then he dropped out of there at the age of 19 and began karate training. He finally earned himself a third-degree black belt in karate. I can't imagine him playing, or playing karate, oh, <laughs> doing karate. Third-degree black belt, so you were talking like an like incredibly high standard. Oh, okay. And uh, anyway, he started off fighting in like smoke-filled Texas saloons. And um, <laughs> it wasn't quite boxing as 
anyone would really know it, but um, there's a quote that he gave to a recent interview. It goes, beer mugs, knees, fists, elbows, the top of your head. All of these take the place of the markets of Queensby rules. <laughs> <laughs> That's his description of his. Anyway, so he turns pro and he uh, signs his first uh, boxing contract. And then he started uh, training, you like this, at uh, Joe Frazier's gym on uh, Broad Street in North Philly. Philly. So um, he began his professional uh, boxing debut in 1977 and he won uh, 13 straight fights by 1979, all of them by knockout. So again, active. Active and had talent. What he was most known for is, well, we'll come on to this kind of later in his career. Having an amazing chin was just, just one of the greatest yeah. chins in the history of boxing. <clears throat> so um, in November 1980, he basically punched his way into the, um, up the heavyweight rankings and um, earned an eighth ranked TKO over Ernie Shavers, who any boxing historians out there is just one of the hardest hitting punches in yeah. the history. Came out of that fight and his face was just. A mess. A less pretty than it was before. It wasn't the prettiest <laughs> thing to begin with. Then uh, three months after that, he dropped a controversial split decision to uh, Ken Norton, again, uh, former champion. So Top-level top opponents. Yeah. But um, to kind of mix in this and uh, give like an impression of his life, so uh, Cobb lived in Philadelphia, and um, in 1981, he was involved in what was described as the notorious Gray's Ferry incident. What this was is Cobb was friends with a Philadelphia Daily News columnist called Pete Dexter, uh, Dexter, apart from being a columnist, he's also an American novelist, and he won the um, U.S. National Book Award in 1988 okay. for uh, a novel called Paris Trade. This becomes uh, like a little bit more important later on, and I'll explain why. But uh, Dexter frequently commentated on boxing, which is the reason that he was um, became friends with Cobb. Okay. So uh, in 1981, what happened was a group of local mobs. So this is in Philadelphia, responding to Dexter, a column that Dexter wrote. A group of uh, local mobs in some place called like Scully Hill, armed with baseball bats and upset by a recent column about a drug deal gone wrong murder, beat up Dexter severely. The brother of the homicide victim was a bartender at a local bar and Dexter went to the bar to talk to him because the family had called the newspaper to complain about this column. Right. Dexter was roughed up at that meeting. So later, he called up his friend Tex Cobb, the heavyweight prize fighter, to go back to the bar and get a bit of a... Set the record straight. Payback. Set the record straight. In the fight that occurred outside the bar in the street, Cobb ended up with a broken arm, uh, which helped to pretty much end his boxing career. Dexter was hospitalised, and this was with several injuries, <laughs> including a broken back, a broken pelvic bone, brain damage, and what they describe as dental devastation. <laughs> That uh, is a phrase you don't hear very often. <laughs> if you're in a fight and you get dental <laughs> devastation, you'll come out the wrong side of that. <laughs> That's one of my favourite nice. uh, descriptions and, um, I've heard. Basically, Cobb rescued him and injured this uh, broken arm, and that cost him like a sh- uh, schedule fight. It's pretty amazing to, to hear that like basically one man sounds like is on the fucking edge of death there with the amount yep. of injuries and Tex Cobb just gets a broken arm. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, yeah, basically that broken arm cost him a scheduled fight with the, the WBA champ Mike Weaver. Okay, so he was scheduled yeah, yeah. to have it, couldn't fight him. So, um, anyway, later in uh, 1981, he gave a good account of himself when he came up against Michael Dynamite Dokes. Oh. So, for anyone who doesn't know, that guy held uh, like a WBA <laughs> version of the world title back in the 1980s. So we bought him at uh, Caesars Palace. But, um, yeah, put in like a good performance and a losing effort. Anyway, that one, and like the next fight he had, pretty much he lined him up, the, like the big fight of his um, whole career, with the heavyweight world champion, Larry Holmes. So um, in November 1982, he fought Holmes for the WBC uh, world title at Houston's Astrodome. I've seen that fight. 
I watched it. It is, <laughs> but to put it politely, Holmes was defeated. Sorry, Cobb was defeated by one unanimous decision. One side. <laughs> Holmes won all fifteen rounds on two of the three scorecards, but uh, unbelievably, he didn't drop Tex Cobb simply because Cobb was just too just a yeah, it's just unbelievable. unbelievable chip. And uh, it's he's got so many good quotes. It's one of my favorite ones. So. um it gives like an, again like Cobb sense of humour so midway through the fight he's getting his ass kicked by uh, Larry yeah. Holmes and he turns around to the cop turns around to the referee and goes hey you're a white guy do something about this he's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just incredibly he's very very cool so uh, kind of later on he fought um, James Buster Douglas who would uh, a couple of years later go on to be um, heavyweight champ after knocking out our friend Mike Tyson friend of the show and um he went on, he, uh, Buster Douglas beat uh, Carbon Points, and then he came up against Michael Dokes in a rematch, Dynamite Dokes, lost that one for a round decision, and then the next two eventually got uh, KO'd the first time in his whole career by uh, just a normal club fighter, some guy called D. Collier. Knocked him out. Wear, wear and tear, innit? Yeah. Catches up with you. I don't know how much you like this quote, but uh, <laughs> he was asked about, have you ever been knocked out in your career? And his answer was, yeah, I've been KO'd once by Mexican bantamweight. How come? Six month bodies were swinging around by the heels at the time. <laughs> it's just <laughs> nonsense, but um, yeah, nonsense. Anyway, so uh, he, after that, he was pretty much like on the slide, and so he took the whole of 1986 off to uh, regroup, and then, as so often happens, make the inevitable kind of comeback. And then he racked a year later, and he racked up uh, nine wins on the trot without a loss in uh, by 1988, and. Uh, I was going to say, at this stage, he was pretty much on like the edge of collapse. But um, he managed to squeak, which is quite impressive, uh, just a 10-round point decision over Leon Spinks, an oh, aging wow. kind of former yeah. champion. So again, like real talent, real grit, real determination, which really kind of sums up his whole career. So after that, basically, he takes like a hiatus from his career, makes another comeback in 1992, and um, had a massively controversial win against a fella called... He got a TKO against a fighter called Paul Barch. And uh, it was shrouded in controversy. The reason being that Barch sold his side of the story to um, Sports Illustrated, claiming a fix, and he also claimed that both men were high on cocaine during the fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, it probably wouldn't be the first boxers to have stepped in. Uh, possibly not. Part. And uh, anyway, Cobb denied everything and said it's all bullshit, sued Sports Illustrated for um, libel. Yeah. He won that lawsuit. In 1999, a federal jury uh, ordered, do you want to guess how much? They ordered, tech to order, ordered Sports uh, Illustrated to pay him. I'm going to say uh, five, $500. Uh, $10.7 million. Fuck off. <laughs> For allegedly had a fixed fight they share cocaine together. He must, have, he must have lost a lot. That must have done some serious damage to him. But It did. <laughs> but, I mean, this was at the tail end of his career anyway. What it seemed to be the implication was, he went on the jury, gave his testimony, the jury loved him and went... Fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just say he's innocent. And yeah. Anyway, sadly, there's a sad I I shouldn't even bring this up, but there's a sad end to that tale where that appeal, the Sports Illustrated obviously like appealed it. And with their lawyers that have for a long time Warner were um got the overturns, we never got the money. Yeah. But anyway, he continues to soldier on and then had like uh, his final eight fights, he won them all. Uh but this is against like the real kind of low standard other kind of club fighters. And um, if any, finally ended up with a record of 43, 7 and 1 with 36 KOs. 43 fights, 7 losses, 1 draw. So um, I was going to read out like a, <laughs> I won't read this out, but there's a, like another a kind of famous quote. You can look this up on 
uh, YouTube, just type in like text cop and famous quotes, and you'll get one when he was at a big dinner honor in uh, Heavyweights of the Past. <coughs> and he's got just one of my favorite put downs. I won't mention it here just because there's like a racial slur involved, but um, you can look it up by yourselves and yeah, just see it we'll, and see what we'll Mention it and just take the racial slur out. Okay, so. He was at a big dinner honouring the heavyweights of the past and present. So he's got Joe Lewis, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Larry Holmes. So they're all there. Also there were Ronaldo Snipes, who was... Uh, Is that Wesley Snipes? <laughs> who was, uh, let's say, also ran in the heavyweight division in the 90s. And a Tex Cobb is also there. So in his usual fashion, Tex Cobb decides he'll give, like, a, give a toast just by himself. to ding, ding, ding on the glass, stands up and says... Right, I'll replace this racial slur with a kind of sneaky code word. Uh, so, yeah, see if he can spot it. Anyway, he stands up, Cobb stands up in the middle of this thing and goes, I'm honoured to be in the same room as some of the baddest slippers who ever lived. And then Ronaldo Snipes stands up and goes, Hey, I'm not going to stand here and let you call me, like a, let you call me a slipper. <laughs> Cobb looks over and goes, Relax, man, I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> it's just, it's a nice print. I just can't that. Your choice of replacement word slippered. I'm not going to let you call me a slipper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Relax, I wasn't talking about it. It's a fantastic uh, comeback. Anyway, but again, yeah. just like the top of character he is. Anyway, so um, Carl, because of like his, he was so kind of vivacious and fun loving, he's like a witty uh, tongue or whatever else. He got played like a series of uh, villainous roles in such classics as. <laughs> I know you've seen this one. Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. Oh, I never knew he was in that. Ace Ventura, Peck Detective. I've seen that. The Golden Child. Oh, holy shit. I saw The Golden <laughs> Child. Who is he in that? I can't remember. He's probably one of those uh, Mongolians, got, mate. Or not, uh, Tibetan Ty- Tywin Lannister, for all you uh, oh, yeah. Game of Thrones fans out there. He's in it, isn't he? Yeah, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Best thing and he's Eddie ever done. Murphy. But uh, Naked Gun, 33 and the third. Fletch Lives, which I Crazy, completely love. some good... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bring up his film crew just because it's fantastic. He's in also other TV shows like Miami Vice. I do Bison. know who he was in Golden Child. I've just worked out. He was the... He was the... He was the guy who would carry... One of the guys who would carry the oh, kid yeah. around. And he's quite nice. He would give him the, the food and things and then get told off. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is him. That's funny. I thought he was... Like, his start TV. I don't know why I brought this up, but, um, like, Walker, Texas Ranger. The... Uh, Chuck Norris thing. MacGyver, in which he played a character called Earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> he looked a bit like Earthquake the wrestler, didn't he? Oh, I, I, this is my favourite part about it. It's my favourite part of his whole career. So he had uh, other like notable appearances, and he was in one. There's a Gene Hackman movie, Vietnam movie, called Uncommon Valor. And so this helped, kind of helped reverse his kind of... Um, he played like a good guy, or helped okay. versus a uh, bad image. And then on the back of that, he got a 1987 movie called Critical Condition. <laughs> In which, in which he plays a character on a psych in a psych ward who thinks he's black, tested Texcom's legendary. It's like, it's like the 80s, they they weren't afraid uh, of any sort of racial <laughs> waters, were they? You want to see Soul but Man? Really, Soul Man, that is shocking. That is <laughs> so dated. And I was watching Trading Places the other day, the Eddie Murphy yeah. Dan Aykroyd film. There's a bit in that where Dan Aykroyd dresses up as a Jamaican and he's all <laughs> and he's sort of blacked up and they have him doing a Jamaican accent. It's so uncomfortable. You're just looking at it thinking. Oh, the race relations shit. have gone backwards in the last 20 years. That's just the fact. It's, it's, uh, it's a good job that we are where we are today. <laughs> <laughs> Films like that. As good right. as Trading Places is. Oh, fantastic. But, um, right, so, like, in kind of modern day, what's he up to? So, in 2008, age 57, he graduated uh, magna cum laude from uh, Temple University with a bachelor's degree in sport and recreational management. 
So okay, but again, like really intelligent. The last. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> I'd say his son also. Sadly, one of them passed away in 1999, but then another one, uh, Joshua, his son, took up like had a short boxing career. But um, as of the last three years, it's incredibly hard to find what he's doing. Some reports say he's still living in Philadelphia and doing whatnot. His Facebook page says <laughs> he's moved out Midwest and no one's heard from him <laughs> in three years. But uh, just okay. one last quote to kind of wrap the whole thing up. So, uh, Again, asked, asked what his life as a boxer is like, is what he said. He goes, you, can, you run for 45 minutes, you train for half an hour, and the rest of the time you just hang out talking to us. <laughs> nice. I love that Simple. guy. Simple but, uh, three. Well, that's fantastic. That's an, another, another cracking... Uh, so then you used to be a boxer. Um, okay, cheers for that, Gat. And, uh, we'll one more an, next week. Uh, yeah, of course. Another one of them next week. Okay, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up for the show with the looking forward to the, the uh, previews. Fights. Yeah. So uh, I'll start off. So on um, this Saturday, on Saturday the eighth uh, of June, is going to be this one should be a bit of a classic. Uh, welterweight division, fighting California. It's a uh, Josito Lopez. Josito. You say a lot better than I do. <laughs> Lopez versus the <laughs> American killer Marcus Maidana. What do you mean? I can't beat him. I know, but he really did give him. <laughs> <laughs> in my mind Amir has never been He's, the same uh, after that um, yeah yeah amazing fight that would be I'm but, uh, looking forward to that Lopez I watched him recently when he fought uh, Ortiz Victor Ortiz um, yeah. if you've not seen it look it up on YouTube oh, it's, it's brilliant and just a really really amazing such fight such an exciting fight especially the fact with uh, Ortiz that's what I love about a guy you're never sure he can be up in a fight and you think mm. just stick in there mate even though it, Ortiz is a better boxer everything you just get a sense of Lopez real determined will to win and then <coughs> broke Ortiz's draw and that yeah. kind of put an end to that what, what do you think about the fight my gut instinct was maybe maybe going for Madonna real, I, for me 50 <coughs> I probably wouldn't have gone for Lopez 50-50 though no one. I mean I was I was impressed with the way Lopez came in against Ortiz but I just I don't I hadn't, hadn't really heard that much about him before that fight and I just feel Madonna he's been at that top he's fought some really mm. tough people did you ever see his fight with uh, Morales where Morales' eye closed up after oh, yeah, one yeah. round, and he's like, that's when people are saying he's, he's over the hill mm. and never going to come back. An amazing performance. Again, my dad, I like a real <coughs> tough puncher, but um, that one should be a classic. There's, um, on the same night, in uh, the junior and middleweight division, Alfredo Angulo <laughs> versus Erislandi Lara. Yeah. So well, uh, this was, um, I think this should be a great one. That Angulo is such an entertaining fighter. Every fight I've seen him, it's like amazing. There's that one that I mentioned last week with the. You just said you went and watched it. Didn't I you? watched it uh, on Sunday morning, and it's uh, Angulo about four fights ago. Yeah, and uh, it's five rounds long. It's just so entertaining. <clears throat> with uh, Angulo has knocks Curtin down in the first thirty seconds, and then for the first the second half of the first round just unleashes hell. Every everything he's got just throws it in, and. Wow, Kirkland is real tough yeah. because he doesn't go down, and then I've never seen tables turn so dramatically. <laughs> it is unbelievably Just exciting. He put everything he could barely stand up. I won't even tell you how that ends, but it's so it's so entertaining. But um, I that also be... saw I saw the other one of I think it was his last fight, Angulo's last fight. I can't remember he was fine, but that was another classic. Mm. Um, yeah, if you if you got that to hand, uh, I'm gonna bring him on here. Uh, maybe not. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, look it up on Wikipedia, the last guy I thought was, because that's that's definitely one to watch. Uh, very exciting. On the set, again, on Saturday the 8th of June, there's a Chad in the light heavyweight division. On a, This one's on HBO. There's a Chad Dawson, light heavyweight champion, coming up against Adonis Stevenson, 
Oh, at the moment, it's rated number nine, the super heavyweight division, and wants mm. to super heavyweight, mm. super uh, middleweight, and wants to step up. Mm. Yeah, good luck with that, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chad Dawson does an excellent, excellent bad, boss. Bad. Yeah, Chad Dawson, uh, he's gonna, I, I would imagine, would get the job done. I think so. That's a big ask. That's your first step up in weight to come up against somebody who's definitely the best in that division, <laughs> who was, who was clearly killed himself to make weight against Andre Ward. But I would, um, I would suspect we're going to see the best from Chad. And uh, um, what else is coming up? So there's a good one in the light uh, weight division. Eurorca's uh, Gamboa, oh, who is a Cuban, Cuban uh, <laughs> Olympic gold medalist, probably would have had two. Amazing gold medals but uh, decided to defect and um, he's coming up against a bit of a journeyman but if you've never seen Gamboa fight he is unbelievably quick unbelievably talented just smooth movement just very incredible small. he's very small and, uh, well stepping up into the lightweight division because he normally fights he? in a lower weight so yeah. maybe Ricky Burns on the feature you never know but Ricky Burns would have a big a lot of trouble against I, this guy I love Ricky but uh, <laughs> yeah not easy uh, yeah. what else is coming up so uh, cruiserweight division there's so many good fights coming up but um, cruiserweight division Marco Hawk He's uh, ranked uh, number one in the cruiserweights up against German, German against Britain's own uh, Ola Aflobi. It's their third, third fight, is it? Yeah, third fight. And uh, the last two are really, really close. Uh, Huck taking one and Aflobi has drawn their last one. So this <coughs> is... Very good marker, Huck is. So, to, yeah. Yeah, so but Aflobi again. It's on, on, I don't know why, but it's just not known in this country. But um, that should be a bit of a doozy. And um, what else? Um, the following week... I guess like the biggest fight in the and so this will be on Saturday the fifteenth of June, in the uh, featherweight division. It's going to be uh, Mikey Garcia, a champion, up against Juan Manuel Lopez. Juan Man Lopez for uh, Garcia's ring and WBO titles, fighting in Dallas. But um, Garcia is unbeaten. So if you've never seen him fight, he's really, really strong, really technical, really. Yeah. And uh, Juan Man Lopez just loves a bit of a scrap. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always bound to be. Uh, yeah, entertaining. Fights. Yeah, so uh, but we'll review most of them when um, we come back in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, yeah, lots of good fights to look forward to. Okay, all right, brilliant. So yeah, that's it. End of the show. So uh, just to give it like our Facebook details, if anyone wants to get in contact, you can follow us on uh, Twitter under uh, PunchDrunkBoxing, or uh, if you want to get us on Facebook, just go to uh, Facebook.com/slash/groups/slash/punk. Uh, not punk punch a drunk boxing and uh, any thoughts or anything you want to email the show just uh, send us a message yeah. on either of them too we'll but, be, um, uh, we're up on iTunes now as well Although, yeah, um, yeah we're, we're getting the, the older episodes uh, back, back, up, back on. up on there's a bit of a technical issue there but hopefully they'll be up soon enough okay well um, more from us in two weeks time see you then mm-hmm.